Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Not guilty. How shall you be tried? By God and my country. The exact time when Paul and Maggie Murdoch were murdered. At the end of the investigation, it was obvious. I'm not here to work with them. Okay? And the whole point is to have this not fall into the wrong hands. This case is unique. It's unprecedented in South Carolina history. And did you hear, recognize the voices on there? I did. Did you recognize the voices of your second family? I did. And what voices did you hear? Paul's, Miss Maggie, Miss Taylor. And how sure are you now? Positive. 100%? That's correct. Well, the state uh, introduced some of the most compelling evidence yet in today's testimony at Alec Murdoch's double murder trial. I'm Ann Emerson, and we are here with our exclusive legal analyst, South Carolina's former Attorney General, Charlie Condon, and our executive producer, Drew Tripp, for the podcast. And of course, Maxwell Harrison driving the controls uh, on all of our sound and production on this podcast. I could not believe what mm-hmm. we saw. It um, unfolded uh, this morning. We've been leading up to this. We've had data coming in. Mm-hmm. We knew this data had been processed. We knew Paul's phone took nine months after the murders to actually mm-hmm. unlock. Mm-hmm. And then this video drops. And not only that, we have the person who was supposed to receive that video to talk about it. So incredible. where should we begin? Like, Drew, do you want to talk about this video and what it's, you know, do you want to, do you want to chime in here? Well, the, I think the best place to start is following up on that soundbite we just played for you all mm-hmm. of prosecutor Creighton Waters. He was talking to uh, one of Paul Murdoch's best friend, best friends that mm-hmm. would have been Rogan Gibson. Uh, they grew up together. They were like brothers. Uh, mm-hmm. Rogan was very, very familiar with the family. Uh, he, this that was made abundantly clear. He was, he considered Alec and Maggie like second parents. They he was at their house all the time. Had leave to come and go as he pleased on their property. Did all as close as two kids could be uh, that were not blood related. And they the state set that up throughout the morning and into the afternoon, que- questioning Rogan. And Rogan said, when they played him a video, a video we've heard alluded to several times in earlier testimony, a video taken on Paul's phone at 8.44 p.m. Mm -hmm. That video was taken for Rogan and meant to deliver to Rogan of Rogan's dog. And the video never was never sent. Never got sent. They played that video in court. Rogan identifies three voices on that on that video, Alec, Maggie and Paul. Of course, Alec Murdoch has testified in the videos we've seen earlier from his testimony. Mm-hmm. He's t- he's told SLED interviewers in his initial uh, meetings with them that he was nowhere near the kennels. Right. 
He went to take a nap on the couch after they got done with dinner. And around that time, he would have been asleep on the couch up at the house. And yet here we have this video, Rogan definitively 100% identifying Alec in the background. And he did the right thing too. Rogan went as as soon as he woke up, got the mm-hmm. this horrific news mm-hmm. that his his dear uh, friend Paul and Miss Maggie had been shot and killed. Um, he goes he he goes to the house. He gets his dog. He goes straight to a convenience store. He sits there and he waits for the cops to get there to talk to him about what just occurred, right. Charlie. Video like this. Now we don't we don't know. By the way, like we've gotten two IDs on the voice. We got two of Paul's best friends saying that's Alec Murdoch on that video. Mm-hmm. But is that enough? I mean, is that? Oh yeah, yeah, that's plenty. But if they want to get, they might have a voice expert that would say, but this last witness, Will Loving, was extremely credible. And so you have two very credible witnesses. And I didn't see the defense really challenge the second identification. I think I think that ship has sailed. But what a moment. I mean, here we are, and it's shown by evidence that comes from Paul Murdoch's he, uh, testifying from the grave. Mm-hmm. It comes into evidence in this courtroom today, and it establishes beyond any doubt, and what a moment, his father yeah. was... Minutes away at the crime scene where Paul was brutally murdered in contradiction of what this defendant had been telling law enforcement repeatedly. It wasn't months. back there. For nine months, I guess, because we mm-hmm. couldn't get, he couldn't get into this phone for nine months. Yeah, so for, for nine months, they, there was no reason to refute the fact that Alec had been taking a nap, right? No, you would think. I mean, and as the day, you know, the day was... Probably one of the most historic days that has occurred in a South Carolina courtroom because the day, as the day was going on, the defense was, well, this couldn't have happened because it's so unthinkable. Right. It's just unthinkable. Why would a happy family, why would a, a, a father slaughter his son and his wife? Couldn't be. But, but, well, but as evidence developed, it became very thinkable. Well, right before you get to that thinkable moment, the mm-hmm. let's play this clip that we actually got um, talking because the defense was giving the mm-hmm. idea that not only was this a, a loving family, but it was also an open door policy right. trying to once again raise a, a glimmer of you know mm-hmm. doubt that somebody else could have been down at the kennels. Mm-hmm. And this is this is what they asked Rogan, the good friend. What was it like? There was many friends that were welcome to the house. Was it open to all of Paul and Buster's friends? It was open to all of Paul and Buster's friends. I mean, that's just a mm-hmm. little clip to play. But, I mean, it, you know, it, it, once again, the defense is trying to say... Sure, yeah, that weapons were available, one locked, and you could get up on this property. There people, were folks People everywhere. could get there. But, again, I... As it developed, though, and that I thought that was very credible, very mm-hmm. effective, and it, it, it did seem to to have some traction with it. But the cell, the cell phone video, I want to get back to that because now you have two very credible people saying Alec is there minutes before these slangs, and so it just his alibi is gone, and the type of weapons that have been used, of course, are extremely loud. So even if you did sort of halfway believe he might have been up there, he could have heard that. But now he's right there at the crime scene. Drew, what do you make of it? I'm going to, I'm going to, 
borrow this from a conversation I had with another reporter today, but I, I think it's very, it, the, the case has been very much made now mm-hmm. that Alec Murdoch is a liar, mm-hmm. but the state has yet to put a gun in his hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's where this is, that's the next bridge we've got to cross, but I think today the alibi is blown to pieces. Yes. From what's been introduced into evidence so far, as far as what he told law enforcement, and again to follow up on Charlie's point, we 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 we're glossing over a bit. They played this video not not only this video from the dog kennels. They played it not only for Rogan Gibson, Paul's lifelong best mm-hmm. buddy. They played it for one of his other best friends, who he they, his name is Will Loving, originally from Columbia. They Paul and he became friends later in life uh, and became, uh, by all accounts, thick as thieves uh, and just great friends uh, He uh, like Paul and Rogan were. When they start playing this video that Paul took of Rogan's dog, one of mm-hmm. the most powerful moments of the day for me, mm-hmm. watching it on the screen, is you see Will Loving... He kind of leans forward a little bit and settles in and starts watching the video, and a, a very soft smile comes across his face, and you can he, he smiles with his eyes a little bit. You can tell mm-hmm. he's listening to his best friend's voice, and he's listening to Maggie's voice, and he's watching what's going on, and you can tell he is pleased by what he's seeing, and it, it brings back good memories for him because he he wasn't able to he wasn't hiding emotion at that point. He wasn't stoic. He was very pleased to be seeing this as it happened and they get done with the video and not just Rogan Gibson, Paul's best friend, his other best friend, Will Loving mm-hmm. says, I'm a hundred percent confident that Alec Murdoch is speaking in the background of that video. Yes. Yes. And, but to your point about the weapons, there was a, lo- a lot of uh, time spent on, we can go through this, the sighting of the rifle near the home with these shell cases. I'm presuming that they're going to harp on that. The state, being to show the rifle. We got some threads tied together today. Yes. Uh, or we, if we have attempt, the state has attempted to connect some dots and tie some things together today. We learned very early in the trial that some 300 blackout shell casings were collected from the flower bed right outside the door of the gun room at the Murdoch's home, the stoop area, uh, there were 300 blackout mm-hmm. shell casings collected from a, uh, a the actual shooting range off on the other side of the property. Today, we learned where those 300 blackout shell casings possibly came from and when they got there because Will Loving was testifying to the fact that he and Paul took the replacement, uh, and I know we're, we're covering some things. I hope you're all following along. If you're not, you can go to abcnews4.com, follow our, look for our daily blogs, go back yeah. to listen to past episodes if you're missing some information here, so I'm gonna, but I'm going to try and gloss over it. Right. The, There's a lot. Paul, Paul had, <laughs> Alec in 2016 bought two 300 blackout chambered AR-15 style rifles, one for Buster, one for Paul. Paul, at some point, his was either stolen or he just lost it. Uh, Alec bought him a new one in 2018, and that new one, according to Will Loving's testimony today, Will Loving, I'd positively identified it. They went and bought a an optic, a red dot sight, uh, which I'm 
it'll take a while to explain. They went and bought a, a site, a special site mm-hmm. for that for that weapon. Ace Hardware it, it, from Hampton, South Carolina. Yeah, the, the Ace Hardware in Hampton, South Carolina, where I've personally filled up cricket cages and bought fish and lures plenty of times in my life. Um, it, it's a you can't beat Ace Hardware if you if you're a country boy down here. Uh, they got what you need, uh, and I'm, I'm not being paid to uh, paid to say that. Um, anyway, jokes aside, uh, they mm-hmm. they went and bought this optic from for the rifle from Ace Hardware in March of 2021. They went back to the house at Moselle. They sighted in the optic. Got the, got the 300 blackout rifle sighted in, and there we have the through line. They sled collected some shell casings right outside the door, and today Will Loving says that's where we cited it in. Yes, so circumstantial evidence uh, only, but again, but it's physical evidence, it's right? More evidence, it's, right? It's physical evidence that mm-hmm. there was, even though it's circumstantial, it you know, right? In the timeline, I think it was was it March of two thousand, March of twenty twenty one, twenty twenty one. So it's getting be, closer. It is getting, and closer. so I'm assuming you know the shell casings at the shooting house are going to match as well, and so then. Walk me through, because I thought that was compelling, too, because the rifle that, quote, was stolen or missing, it's really kind of been excluded now, right? Because Maggie, and we'll have to say now, right, the state's theory is that the the rifle that murdered Maggie, she purchased. Yeah. Right? Right. It was, they explained that yesterday. John Bedingfield, the, the firearms dealer, said, essentially, he was, Alec wanted to replace Paul's stolen rifle. John Bedingfield got it ready for him. Said, "Hey, it's here. Come pick it up." And Alec couldn't come go that go that day. He sent Maggie, and she wrote a check and for eight hundred and seventy-five dollars. So yeah, uh, and the the gun was signed over. So uh, a little bit about that. Yeah, you cannot by law, mm-hmm. you cannot purchase a gun for someone in not in their name. Like you, you cannot knowingly go to your uh, licensed firearms dealer. And say hi, I want to buy a gun for my for my child. That's a point. You have to buy it for yourself. You can only buy a gun in your name. So that that purchase that that background check, all that would have been done in Maggie's name, and she would have had to pay for it. And um, she's not shooting the semi-automatic blackout. Right? I mean, that's not happening, right? Right. Another another. I guess. I uh, not dotted, right? Yeah. That's very tough. Yeah, That's it tough. would have had to have been, the, the purchase would have had to have been made in her name. That's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, we've got, as this day wrapped up, we had this amazing testimony with um, Will Loving, with Rogan Gibson, these young men that had been such great friends. And at, at the end, um, it, there was... It, there was a turn. What a moment. I, it's the only way I can say uh, is like the prosecution no, takes yeah, a turn. Will, mo- Should we listen to? Please. Let's, let's it, listen it, to the this, clip. This, this may be the key moment in this, this trial. This is what happened literally minutes before court ended today. We, we got a cliffhanger that nobody could have, nobody could have expected. You know anything at all about him being confronted on June 7th, 2021 about. Object. Did you know anything? about him being confronted on the morning of June 7th, 2021, about $792,000 of missing fees from his law firm. Objection, Your Honor. It's totally improper. Objection's overruled. Overruled. And I really have a lot of respect for Judge Newman. I've known him for decades. I really do like the way he makes rulings in this soft voice. Right. But the ruling that he made is monumental for 
both sides because it means the state is now going to – and he further, once the jury left, told the state to get ready for what's called 404B evidence, which would be this motive evidence, clear and convincing, get your witnesses ready. So here it comes. We're going to – I assume it will be days of testimony of, of, of Alec Murdoch's stealing. And let me set it up. I mean, we've just heard from Will Loving about how this family was together, that Alec and Maggie and Paul and, you know, both of these kids, these young men are mm-hmm. talking about how they're so, they're, they're, they're all together. They can, they're always welcome. There's always an open door. Everybody's a happy family. Everything's great. And then all of a sudden, Creighton Waters comes in with a tsunami of, but did you know? But mm-hmm. did you know what was mm-hmm. going on? Mm-hmm. behind the scenes and we didn't know right. that that was even going to get allowed into court and this of course is the motive uh, according to the state of why they believe alec killed paul and maggie this was the distraction to have them killed that people would not be looking at his finances that were going into such terrible shape yes Here. and what was more it was it was as strong a moment as I think, as an observer, I think mm-hmm. it was as strong a moment as the prosecution has had. But when we're going back and it, we got to add context here, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the the motive that we had the fight in pretrial and mm-hmm. the the defense is adamant that they should not be allowed to introduce this financial evidence in uh, as relevant to the case because of the motive. And pretrial, Judge Newman said. We'll take it as it comes, case by case. I will, I will, as issues arise, I'll rule on them. And that's the same fight we ended up having today. And Creighton Waters stood, went by his word, and he said, and right before he brought it up all this, before the jury was brought mm-hmm. back into the room, mm-hmm. Creighton stopped the proceedings. He's like, Judge, I'm about to do it. I'm, I'm about to drop the hammer, and uh, we need y'all, we need to speak now or forever hold our peace. And uh, this was, uh, I'm, I'm getting to my point, I promise. First one. First thing, Dick Harputlian gets up and puts on the Shakespeare. It's ludicrous and absurd, this motive, and uh, and Judge Newman cuts him off. You've already argued that. And and uh, Dick is a little flustered, and he comes back, and he starts circling back, and he does it again. And I, it's ridiculous. And this motive that he killed his family, and, and Judge Newman cut him off again and said, you've already argued that, and that, that's – and so finally, Jim Griffin interjects and says, "Your Honor, it's hearsay." Uh, and and he comes back with a with a more tangible and uh, Charlie, you can weigh in on this a, a more reasonable objection to allowing the line of questioning that Creighton would eventually go on. Um, uh, whether or not it was hearsay and whether it should have been allowed, those questions of Will Loving at the end. But a key point that I don't want lost in Mm -hmm. what happened, before we ever got there, Mm -hmm. Creighton Waters Waters is doing his redirect at the end. And we've heard all day about how big, uh, you know, how the broad the sphere is around the Murdochs and the the big happy family and all the friends that were like family and... uh, Creighton starts asking Will Loving, you know, so what happened? What happened right after the fact of these murders? What happened? And Will Loving says, well, I, we were all down at Moselle for a week 
And, you know, every, we were out there, we were all just broken up and crying. And uh, Alec couldn't, there was a big, he described a moment where Alec couldn't get, get words out. And there was this big emotional hug. And we were just there for the family. We were there for the family. And Creighton Waters, without saying it, very subtly alluded to, he proved his motive. He proved it. I can't say he proved his motive, but right. he established his a, motive, a, a distraction right. for a week mm-hmm. after the fact. There was mm-hmm. a distraction and nobody was thinking about and it. And they were feeling sorry for Alec Murdoch. And this is exactly what the prosecution has been trying to tee mm-hmm. up. Now, you know, and this is my question to you too, Charlie. You're going to mm-hmm. have a couple of things to go to. Mm-hmm. But, I, you know, also I want to understand, um, and this is, these are these financial crimes, except for one that we know that he had basically has 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 come to terms with, which would be the Satterfield case to some yes. degree. How they um, the other ones are not; they have not been adjudicated. And, uh, they have not. That's, we're talking ninety-nine Ex- exact, financial crimes. Yeah, excellent question. How do they get both, this in? <laughs> the defense actually has an important strategic decision to make. Do they want to put them to the task of proving by clear and convincing evidence all these crimes, which will take a lot of time? and would be a lot of bad information against their client, or would you want to streamline it and say, well, we'll agree to this or that and just get it in there and, and get it over with? And I did think, you know, to your point, Drew, I did think the way the, 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 the emotions of the tr- – you had to – there were some heavy emotions there today. Uh, this may be the most emotional day, period. I particularly saw emotion when Rogan was testifying. There was there, – um, oh, behind the family. Oh, his voice cracked. And did mm-hmm. you hear that? That yeah. was just – that was so hard. Yeah, and it's like, was that the last time you heard mm-hmm. from Paul? And he goes, it was. And it mm-hmm. was just, I yeah, think everybody two, just kind of broke a little bit when they Yeah, and that. there was, I'm, I think I saw Lynn's daughter there. I don't know her name, but she was crying. And so it was very emotional. They're obviously really close to everybody. Yeah. And it was, you had, you just felt for everybody. Yeah. You really, I, I think that's, a, even if you do think family. he's guilty, or, right. you, you felt, just felt for everybody. But where we are now in this trial, the... And it's getting to be, I'll use this word, Himalayan. It, the, amount, the amount of evidence here against this defendant is impressive. They do have to tie it together. A lot of loose strands, a lot of loose strands. But what's about to happen here is the judges said you can put in evidence of his financial crimes and presumably... Alleged financial crimes. Yeah. A lot well, of them, right? That's, well, part of where it's going to happen, I, if I were there, I'd probably think about some... some We'll agree to this and just move it along because what 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 the what what the tone of the trial is is I do think jurors are like well if he did this it's just not possible but it's happy family how how and they were really building upon that I thought quite effectively now it's like well is that still a valid motive but one thing that that I think the facts will show eight months later was before he was confronted again with these financial crimes. So the amount of time that went between him being confronted by his law firm, as I understand it, between something happening again was a long period of time. So how does the state marshal all this evidence? I've got to think they're scrambling tonight. They're thinking through how we're going to do this. Yeah, there's and it's a major, be a challenge. major game plan going down right now. They've got, not only that, they have to call these witnesses. Mm-hmm. These witnesses have to be available. I don't think Newman's slowing down in this trial, and he's already warned them, you better have your people ready to go. I agree. And there was a list, what was it? How long did it take to read that list of witnesses? It was taking him 12 minutes, 11, 12, 12 minutes. minutes at a time. 12 minute yeah, list. Yeah. yeah, and the state's going to have to decide, how do we weave the story together? Because you, you don't want to go rabbit holes of financial crimes necessarily no because it could take you could take well, off the murder and you're going to overwhelm yeah. the jury right yeah. at what no. point does this become overwhelming to the jury we've heard 
all this testimony there by the way just to remind him like for the layman out there that aren't in a court every day looking at jury trials mm-hmm. there are no notes right they're not taking notes it, yes yes they have to rely on the fact that these yes. these prosecutors and defense attorneys are going to Give them a good roundup. Yeah, yeah, and this fine legal point, but I'm sure they get instructions from Judge Newman. This evidence is not to assail the character of this defendant. It's to simply prove motivation for the defendant's actions. And so there's a fine point there, but as a practical matter, jurors are going to hear him being somebody who is just not a nice person when it comes to money, right? right. We're going to, that's so, that, that it, or a person that doesn't, yeah, I mean, and, and these crimes, and, and, and this is something you can also really go deep if you want to go down the rabbit hole tonight. We have story after story about the financial crimes. We've looked deep into it. We've done a lot on our podcast right. about, we've, we've got, in fact, there's one podcast that we had called Follow the Money, where we actually talked to an ex-FBI forensic analyst about these financial crimes and yes. how they they go right. one after another. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of information yeah. out there about these yeah. crimes. Yeah, and there was another fine point, too, that went on today. And Drew, get your perspective, but it came up that he was actually a prosecutor. Right. <laughs> was it twice? At least once. Well, yeah, and I think he was working with his dad. Yes, Did you catch and that, that one witness who came for the, for the gunshot residue test, and so they got in cowboys that he, prose- he worked with his dad to prosecute. And so... The irony here is just so deep for me because you've got his father being a respected prosecutor, his grandfather being a respected prosecutor. He's working with his dad prosecuting, but now he's on trial in the very courtroom right. that they would have been prosecuting, I mean, at least he would have, and he's on trial for double murder of his wife and son in some of the most horrific fashion that really you could imagine. Yeah, so here we are. Um, it's, it's hard to believe. I mean, coming up tomorrow... We have to go into this. We are going to see who they can marshal, as you said, who the prosecution is going to be able to get um, get ready to go. I expect to have some very heavy testimony. Yep. Um, as I tend to do and like to do, I uh, want to back up a second because there are some things that we glossed over we and not even t- have not even touched on uh and i mentioned earlier uh you know how i said in the, the most recent thing charlie you made the point a minute ago there's some loose threads that they haven't tied together mm-hmm. uh, the state still has a lot of work to do to tie this all together and i made the analogy and i can uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna give the credit where it's due to who the person who came up with this analogy he's andrew davis the investigative reporter with wsav down in savannah mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. They've proved Alec is a liar, or he lied about his alibi, but they haven't put a gun in his hand. And earlier in the day, before this bombshell evidence with of the videos and things like that blew up Alec's alibi, there was a there was some serious movement on the narrative that the defense is trying to push about the possibility of if not two gunmen, more than one person involved, and it revolved around the the finale of the the what we started yesterday the finale of the forensics around the cell phones Mm -hmm. the states i thought following their logic the not excuse me the defense i thought following their logic in how they cross-examined the state's expert today uh the the forensic cell phone expert uh, britain dove i thought the defense made a real strong case for the fact that there's no way 
the two phones, Alex's phone and Maggie's oh, phone, gosh. were in the same place at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so this gets real deep into the weeds, right? They're talking about the microdata, metadata, and the, your phone, how your phone tracks everything from the how many steps you take to when you turn it sideways to when you turn it vertical, uh, horizontal, uh, all those things. What they're saying, the point today was Maggie's phone stopped tracking steps, and it's a very distinctive thing that a phone tracks. Mm-hmm. Maggie's phone's phone stopped tracking steps around 8.55 p.m., but the last time it moved and the screen activated was at 9.06 p.m. At 9.06 p.m., Alec was, Alec's phone showed it was walking. And I'm not going to say Alex was wa- Alec was walking around with his phone, but Alex's phone was moving with somebody walking, while Maggie's phone was not. Maggie's phone was stationary, or at the very least, nobody was walking around with it and had not walked around with it in a while. And then at right before Alec gets in his car and cranks it up and calls Maggie for the last time, that phone f- flips to vertical, the screen activates, and then it moves again and it never moves again and so the point being they made a very compelling case today how the insinuation the inference being that phone what was found way down the road from moselle or that was found off in the woods off the side of the road if it didn't move again how did it get if it didn't know if it nobody walked with it and how did it get down there and if it was thrown out the window which is the obvious thing if it was thrown out the window how could Alec have done that if he was beside his phone right. up at the house at getting in his car? And so it, it became a lot more plausible to me. I, that somebody th- else was involved. Somebody else was right. involved here. Um, I, and, and Drew, I mean, that was a huge point. Um, of course, that happened earlier on in the testimony, but I'm sure the defense is going to have plenty of time to circle back to that. As well, basically, what you're saying is when when Alex uh, his phone was was activating and showing steps on its health data, which is some of the cell phone data they've been mining. Maggie's phone was not showing steps at the same time, which means Alec and Max, because I mean, Alec and Max, Alex and mm-hmm. Maggie were right, um, right. Alec, we know, was getting into a car at 906 because the car turned on and it has its own yes, set yes, of data, yeah, yeah, right? But, yeah. So we knew. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, Maggie's wasn't. Boy, there's so much. We will have to We will have to get to this tomorrow. Right? Uh, one more thing. Okay. <laughs> one more thing. <laughs> right. I, 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 I'm always going to have one more thing. One more thing. The big one this morning, the very first big thing, within minutes of us resuming trial around 930 this morning, we learn from SLED's forensic cell phone expert that all of Alec Murdoch's call log data was gone. Oh, yeah, yeah, Except yeah. Except for his FaceTime videos. Yes. Four FaceTime videos from the span of May 30th to the, uh, mm-hmm. to the, to the killings. Right. That's all that showed up on his phone when they, when they mm-hmm. pulled the data off. But mm-hmm. Four FaceTime videos. And yet yesterday we learned Alec called Maggie five times. Mm-hmm. And the, it was shown right there on Maggie's phone. Five right. missed calls from Alex. Yeah, where did all those calls go? Well, and they and testified. They, they testified. The expert testified. Absent of mm-hmm. uh, re, absent of Alec going in or someone else going in and manually deleting all of his call history. Yeah, there's no way it could have been. That was yes. tough. 
Evidence of yeah. guilt. Right. So yeah, so from May 30th until June 7th, everything mm -hmm. had been these these calls mm -hmm. had been deleted, mm -hmm. um, and all he has to do is swipe, and once it's gone, it's gone. From what we understand, but there could be other data that we haven't heard about, and I would bet they've got a few more tricks up their sleeve. Uh, we really are glad that you joined us tonight. We're going to have more for you on our next daily recap tomorrow night. If you enjoyed this podcast, please go and give us five stars and a review. We'd love to hear from you. Stay in touch and we will see you tomorrow. Thank you.